Welcome back to Embodied Experience Podcast with Lauren and Sylvie, episode 18, kicking us off. I am so excited to chat about attachment theory today, um, something that we mentioned in our last podcast and Sylvie expressed her interest in it. And um, I've been studying to be an MSW therapist for the last three years. I actually graduate in just seven more weeks. Super, super excited for that. Um, But attachment theory is something that we've gone over at length because let's face it, as adults, um, we need to have attachment, but we also need to know how to unattach as well. And when we aren't secure in our attachments, we aren't aren't able to unattach very well. Um, But then a lot of adults also struggle with actually attaching. And and really, this all goes back to our childhood. It all goes back to being a little kid, a baby, and not actually getting all that we needed. Um, And and really, this is not at all going to go into bashing parents and and, uh, any sort of negative talk about how we should be doing things or, um, you know, how, how people have failed at it. Really, I want to talk about it from a really loving place that attachment is such a great thing. And maybe if we just alter our perspective about it, that we don't allow society to kind of permeate us um, around kids, with our kids, as parents, looking back as adults on our childhood, um, and just gaining an appreciation for what attachment can really give to us, what life it can really uh, birth within us. Um, So when I think about attachment and what we've learned about it is that children really need to have a solid connection with at least one caregiver. This is ultimately why, um, and I'm going to go off into a little side tangent, so I'll give you a little upfront warning. Um, This is why foster care is so detrimental to children and to their future. Because when we remove children from the home and we put them in temporary homes, they are uncertain of who to have an attachment with. Now, I totally get that there are some instances where there is just a... a, um, there's no there's no other way to go about this. We have to get the child out of the home. It's not safe. But we should be doing it so much more on a limited basis than we're doing now. Okay, out of the tangent, moving into talking about attachment itself. And I look back on my own childhood and recognizing that, you know, my mother was very available to me. She actually didn't work the first couple of years of my life. Um, and I think I knew how to be loved. I think that was grounded in, in my uh, being. Um, but as I got older, that attachment started to kind of fray. I'll go into that a little bit more, but Sylvie, just after these first few thoughts that I brought up, what is this bringing up for you and, and how are you viewing attachment theory? I am so excited to talk about this because I feel like it is the underlying current that drives each and every single one of us in how we understand and relate to ourselves and those around us. And so I've done a lot of work with like inner child work and uh, working with a therapist to do so, uh, taking time to reflect, um, to understand the relationship I have with myself. And I've come to see that some of these patterns are so deeply ingrained into like our unconscious way of thinking and being that when you start to kind of uh, break down attachment styles, I think it can help give some clarity as to um, 
how it is you relate to others. And I think from there you can kind of get some information as to where maybe some insecurities, fears, and disconnection lie. So without going any further into that, I I'm, I'm, would love for you, Lauren, to break down what the different attachment styles are um, and what they mean. As um, I've only read about these things briefly on the internet and through talking to therapists, but I haven't had any real formal education on it. So I'm really curious to learn more from you. Yeah, attachment theory is such a big topic. And, you know, really, it's not too terribly hard to understand. I mean, I think we all know that we have attachments in our lives and understanding where we're at in our attachment um, is a big part to understanding how it is that we operate in relationships with others, uh, how we are with our loved ones, how we are with our siblings, with our friends, with our love or with our significant other. Um, and it, it really does go all the way back to birth. Uh, to our childhood. And, you know, of course we can wish and hope and want uh, things to have been different, but we can still learn and understand where we're at now so that we can become better about it, you know, but thinking about this, you know, really going back in time, understanding the stages of attachment so that, you know, maybe as we become parents, as we are parents, we can um, understand that attachment is so important. I mean, understanding the phases and understanding, you know, what you're facing and how much, your child is going to have so much of their foundation based off of whatever attachment you're able to give them. You know, so like I said, attachment starts at birth and that's the pre-attachment phase. That's basically where babies have to rely on whomever is around. And so, you know, they are just dependent. They are attached to whomever can fill the need. And then there's indiscriminate attachment. So, you know, basically a baby, I don't know if you've ever been around babies, anybody out there that's been around babies, but, you know, from about six weeks to seven months, a baby will generally go to just about anybody without, you know, uh, making a fuss or crying too much. They, they generally are trusting that, you know, you're bigger, you're older, you clearly are able to help me. And then you hit discriminate attachment. So that's around seven months. And that's when they're very adamant about like, nope, this is the one person I want and this is who I feel most secure with. So anybody else stay out of here. So, you know, if you've ever been around a baby over seven months uh, into toddlerhood, um, and that's usually when they're very leery and skeptical and, and they're not going to just trust anybody and they're, they're very clear on who they need to attach to, which is really important and super, super good for uh, creating strong bonds. You know, and then eventually they move into multiple attachments. You know, I mean, uh, this still happens before the first year mark. I know I said into toddlerhood and that's dependent on the child's attachment. But, you know, hopefully by about 10 months, they move into multiple attachments. So that way they're able to see that there's multiple people in their lives to trust and to, you know, befriend and be close with and um, that they can rely on for their needs to be met. But, you know, kind of zooming back out. So that's, you know, infancy, first year of life, understanding, you know, how it is that we can be better, do better for, for our kids, for, um, you know, future children. Uh, understanding where we're at now is super huge. And there's four areas of attachment theory um, that you could be in. So the first is secure. And that's like, you know, you know, you know, honestly, this goes back to internal and external validation. When you have a secure attachment, your internal validation is like just 
incredibly strong, like unshakably strong. And then you move into the other three understandings of attachment, ambivalent, avoidant, and disorganized. You know, so these attachments, we're looking for a little more external validation, right? We're, we're not quite sure who we can rely on or if we want to rely on them. And, and oftentimes, sometimes it's even within ourselves. I mean, attachment theory, yes, is so dependent on other people, but it's so um, integral to how we've, wi- how we've been wired and, and how we ourselves internally deal with things. You know, so when you're ambivalent, you're really not sure who to trust or, you know, I think, again, it comes back to us. We're within ourselves. We are not sure of ourselves. And so, you know, there's many reasons that this attachment, um, you know, or unattachment happens. Um, but generally, it's, you know, an internal validation issue. Avoidant, this is a very external validation issue. You know, you're just like, hey, I'm going to push you away because, you know, I trust me, but I don't trust everybody else, right? And disorganized is just really not having attachment to anything. You're not really great with the external. You're not really great with the internal. You're just kind of like, I'm all over the board. But, you know, I really found attachment theory to be so intriguing to talk to people about because, you know, I don't even think they can maybe even understand which quadrant they're in to then decide, oh, okay, I want to reach toward a secure attachment. And that's, again, a secure attachment within ourselves and outside of ourselves to others. This completely directly correlates with internal external validation and, and secure attachments are formed by long lasting trust filled relationships with others and with ourselves. So I don't know if that helps kind of break it down a little bit for you, Sylvie, but I'd be really curious to hear kind of what's coming up for you and, you know, what, uh, what you think about all this. Oh, I just love listening to you. Um, thanks for dropping the knowledge on us because I, I've, I've just really excited to have this conversation because I sometimes think I kind of fall into these um, modes of self-reflection in which I'm really, really self-aware of what it is I'm feeling and how I'm relating to others. And to have this idea of the four different types um, secure, what is it? Secure, ambivalent, avoidant, and disorganized. I think knowing that there's four different types kind of helps because, um, you also said something really good, like understanding where you are at right now in your, in your particular relationships. And I think, um, what I've noticed within myself based on the uh, types that you shared, I may exhibit one kind of attachment style with family and that can affect my attachment style with friends and that can have an impact on my attachment style in relationships um, or with a significant other. And you kind of can see how all of them do lead back to that secure attachment style and for sure ties together everything we spoke about in our last episode in our last couple episodes about internal and external validation and it's just having a really secure sense of self and uh trusting that you're kind of always you know doing your best to be honest and do the right thing and be fair and 
um, being okay with who you are and the choices that you make. And it's interesting to see how the different attachment styles um, can, can start to play out and how other things unfold, right? So like if you have an avoidant attachment style, it's almost, um, you can start to get curious as to why that is and maybe find where it is within yourself that you're kind of blocking connection with yourself and those around you and how that can impact your kind of validation meter, if you will. Um, or if you're ambivalent and not sure, it can maybe, you know, show another imbalance in your attachment style where maybe you rely too much on that external validation and, and have a, a, a lower sense of internal validation. And I don't know, I guess what I'm saying is it's, you can kind of break down your relationships and start to understand where you're at in your attachment and that can give you a compass as to I think either open up communication in the relationship or change behavior patterns or um, kind of give insight into where it is that you can maybe show up a little bit more and accept and, and make different cha- choices and decisions to move forward. I hope that's making some sense. Um, yeah, and, and then the whole idea of attachment too, right? Like what it the, the the meaning that we give to these relationships and how they can have an effect on our internal and external validation measures um i'm thinking even i don't know kind of want to take it another step further and thinking like you know we get so caught up in um i don't even know it's I'm sorry, I'm not sure where I'm going with this. So I'm going to I'm going to kind of pass it back to you, Lauren, cuz I learned so much when you explain all these things and I know all of our listeners out there do as well. But when you are um have they given you specific strategies or anything like that to help you identify and then sort of um uh, move forward? through the different attachment styles? Yeah, so attachment theory definitely comes back to internal and external validation, 100%. So you are right on about that. Um, I think that really in, in order to be able to be in a secure attachment, which is kind of what we're all striving to, in our own personal lives and all of our relationships, it's understanding the balance between internal and external validation. And oftentimes we'll find ourselves in an ambivalent, avoidant or disorganized attachment because we are struggling with internal or external validation. Although oftentimes it is the internal validation that we mostly struggle with, you know, those those um, voices in our minds that run rampant or run away with us about, you know, how we're not enough or we need to do more or, um, you know, the, the things that kind of oversaturate our emotions and take us away from rational understanding. And, you know, I mean, gosh, I could go into a whole section about trauma because when you go through trauma, your your brain is actually rewired. So your limbic brain, um, it's also referred to as your primal brain. So it's the 
the part of the brain that's at the base of, of your, um, well, it's at, at your brainstem. So basically at the base of your skull, um, you know, when we go through trauma instances, um, that really reshapes attachment as well, because, you know, when we go through a certain experience and our brain is rewired, our limbic system is that fight or flight mentality, that fight or flight space. And it's, um, you know, there to protect us because once upon a time we were, um, running away from saber toothed tigers. Um, of course now in today's day, we're not, but our brain is still primitive that way. And so if we go through trauma, we perceive it, or our brain perceives it as a, as a saber toothed tiger. And anytime we're faced with something similar to or close to that sort of trauma situation, the primal brain activates. And it doesn't matter how rational our frontal lobe is. So right there at the, the forehead, you know, our rational brain is, it's really hard to rationalize out of those things. Um, so there is trauma work that has to be done to rewire your primal brain to just relax and to calm down um, because it's really hard to do that. Although there's so many tools out there to help sort of calm your primal brain down. Breath work is huge. So it's, you know, moving your body and, um, you know, repeating affirmations. I think one of my favorite ones, especially for internal validation is, you know, if, if you are struggling with the, ah, well, I'm just not enough. And, and the voice is running away. You repeat to yourself 20 times until, you know, in 20 time iterations, basically, I am enough. I am enough. I am enough. I am enough. Until until you're believing it, until your primal brain calms down, until your limbic system relaxes, because your limbic system, and Sylvano, you can go into a whole deal on our limbic system, you know, that is what controls the responses of our body. You know, you start sweating, you, your adrenaline um, is released, um, endorphins, uh, heart rate picks up, the whole nine. And that's because we're needing to respond to a saber-toothed tiger, maybe. But Obviously, again, in today's day and age, we don't have saber-toothed tigers that we are uh, running from, although our brains will perceive it that way because of the trauma. And so I bring up this whole trauma piece because so much of our attachment is, is derived from our experiences and how our brain and thus body have internalized them. And so, you know, when we're avoidant, there's probably a reason. When we're ambivalent, there's a reason. When we're disorganized, there's a reason. And something probably happened along the way that caused that attachment uh, or lack thereof. And so as we work our way towards secure attachment, because secure attachment is always the one that we're, we're, we're aiming for, that we're striving towards, um, it's in recognizing where is our primal and rational brain in these instances, how can we help manage our primal brain or re or maybe we need to do the work to rewire? Um, and then coming to the point and the place where external and internal validation are these things that we are very aware of and that we do stay curious about. You know, Sylvie, you mentioned about, you know, the, the different attachment um, uh, categories. And, you know, staying curious. I mean, you know, if nothing else, that is the place to start. Because I think oftentimes, you know, people aren't even curious about their own emotions. It's like, oh, I just felt this way and I need to get over it. Or, oh, I felt this way and it's just who I am. Um, you know, although there's, you know, some goodness in getting over it and owning who you are, um, there is danger in staying so firmly in those things that you're never curious about those things. Because when you're not curious about those, those happenings uh, or those spaces, 
you don't grow, you don't evolve, you don't find a new way or new understanding. And it's always such a gift to come into those uh, new understandings and, and new ways of thinking and new ways of doing things because it opens up a door to other possibilities that are around us that we wouldn't otherwise have. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really, you know, sort of complex thing, but it's also so simple. Uh, and, I, and for me, it always comes down to the simplicity of our, of our own brains and how it is that we're responding to the things around us. And, and you know, then, then our brains do very much control our bodies. If you haven't, you know, and I'm just going to throw a quick book recommendation out there. If you haven't read The Body Keeps the Score, uh, it's a fabulous book. Um, about how our bodies, uh, well, minds first, but then bodies ultimately internalize trauma. Um, and, you know, I don't want to sit here and presume that everybody goes through trauma, but I would say that a, a vast majority of us experience at least a traumatic event in our lives. Um, while some of us experience multiple traumatic events, um, and, and that's complex trauma, uh, but with regardless of the trauma that you experience, um, one or many, your brain is rewired each and every time. And in order for us to try to come to some semblance, semblance of um, being healthy, being healthful, being balanced, being um, or, or feeling, um, I guess, well-rounded, we have to stay curious about the things that are coming in and and go talk to somebody about it. I mean, I think, uh, personally, everybody should be in therapy. <laughs> Having somebody to talk to is huge. Um, you know, but we should also be doing the body work too. Um, and oftentimes, you know, we do the body work and not the mental work, or we do the mental work and not the body work, but they go so hand in hand. Mind and body work together is truly the, the formula for balance and success and just all of the things that we're trying to understand and make sense of. Hopefully that helps, Sylvie. I don't know if you had some, you know, thoughts or, or what that brings up for you, but I'd love to hear uh, your feedback. Yeah, I really like how you broke down the idea of the primal mind and the rational mind and, um, you know, thinking to the idea that trauma is, trauma was, could be defined as something that overwhelms our nervous system and how our nervous system therefore adapts to that trauma, right? So it could be, and trauma could be different for each and every single one of us. And I think it's, um, the more and more uh, I start learning about trauma, and um, I do have that book on my bedside table, by the way, when the body keeps the score is super fascinating. So I definitely recommend it. But um, the idea that we all have a nervous system and, um, our exposure to certain experiences may overwhelm our nervous system. And then we find adaptive tech, uh, adaptive, um, ways to respond or react to keep ourselves safe. So like we all have saber tooth tigers. Some of them may present more in the public eye or the eye outside of ourselves as being super traumatic war, um, uh, which is what they speak about in that book quite a bit. War is a very um, self-explanatory trauma. And then we all have traumas in our lives and how we relate to others and our attachments and maybe how um, 
we connect or lack thereof with others. And so our nervous systems will adapt to that. And so you got me thinking, like primal mind versus rational mind. It's like our nervous system is all sensations within the body. And um, they're, they're feelings. Like that's the body speaking to you in return. And, and in our nervous system, we adapt certain feelings um, in our attachments, whether it be ambivalent, disorganized, avoidant. Um, it's all ways to kind of keep ourselves protected and safe in our attachment to whatever the, to whatever the situation may be and our person. And then we have our rational mind, which is our, our thinking mind, what we think, what we, what we can uh, intellectualize. And um, I think many of us live there. And so our thoughts become very defining and controlling. And I think that's where we like as humans, um, we want to stay in control, right? And, and so we use our minds to guide us. And that's where you find so many of us feeling disconnected from our bodies at times. And so doing the body work, doing the mind work, if you do one in isolation, you may miss the bigger picture. And I, you know, it's really interesting that you brought up therapy because first of all, I'm a huge fan of therapy. I agree. I think everybody should be in therapy. Um, I myself am like a very deep feeler, thinker, um, seeker. I like to know I'm like beyond curious sometimes to a degree that it drives me crazy. So therapy for me is something that's super wonderful. And my therapist would always kind of redirect me if I start going into this like rational, like understanding the theory behind my feelings and understanding my attachments. I can become very um, aware of what they look like and how they show up in my life. But then he'll always remind me to feel what I'm feeling in those moments. And, and it kind of is it directing me back to that primal mind, like, how does your body feel when you're going through these emotions? And I think within that moment or presence of, of, of being with both, we can clearly see our attachments. And from there, we can almost um, start to rewire our nervous system, if you will, or kind of re-expose it um, in ways in which maybe we can overcome or bypass it. And that's not to say that all trauma is, is available to do that, but it's kind of giving a counteractive um, of, how do I want to say this? It's almost like when we talk about trauma, the cumulative effects it has on us, it's almost as though when we become aware of it and we can feel the feelings in our bodies, we can start to rewire ourselves a little bit differently. And um, that can help us, I think, to move towards that secure attachment that we're all seeking. And that's where the crazy, hard, difficult, but beautiful work comes in is being curious, understanding these attachments, um, finding the triggers within our daily lives that uh, bring on these um, feelings and sensations within our mind and our body and 
How can we relate to that? And how can we see how that plays out in the bigger picture of our life and find ways to kind of rewrite our stories? So, yeah, the primal mind and the rational mind, the body feelings and the mental emotions and kind of this cross link because they're always in communication with one another and how that has an effect on our being and I just find that's very fascinating um but it's reassuring to hear that it is um normal to move between the different attachment styles and uh, I think all of them hold some really valuable information as to where we may be a little imbalanced in that internal and external validation system and can give us um, some insight that can be helpful to help us move towards that. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really cool conversation. I know for myself in the past well, I don't even know for a long time. I've been very curious about the attachment styles I have with my my parents versus friends versus um, work environment versus uh, relationship. And the the more work I do, the more experiences I have, the more I see just how deeply these things can kind of become ingrained in our systems and date back to to periods where we might not even remember like being a child and um how those these layers kind of mapped out to where I am today and we all have that story and you know what's really cool I remember when I really dove into my yoga practice one of the things we really had to meditate on a lot was detaching and not detaching in a sense where we become dissociated with our body because that would be a whole other um, not so great issue that would be another form of avoidance essentially but becoming really aware of the attachments that we hold and seeing if we can create space and, and observation of them in order for us to become very clear on what's behind that attachment so um things I think of when I think of attachment and finding healthy and unhealthy is like becoming like the dependency like if you become very codependent on if you have a codependency uh, traits or tendencies based on past experiences or based on past attachments that can lead to you having a validation meter that is so dependent on that external and the internal validation system is perhaps a little weaker um or attachment issue or attachment i shouldn't say issues but things we would meditate upon or that i came across was um like the value i would place on certain um achievements in my life and how i would find how they would hold so much self-worth and value so internal validation was being measured by another form of external success um and uh yeah the yoga and and mindfulness and breathing practices and the philosophy behind it kind of having this point to focus on is where um i think that work 
really start to make some sense because it is work. You get to, to be curious and, you know, the more you know about yourself, it's almost like the more you know, the more work you have to do, know better, do better kind of thing. And it's, um, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort, but it's so worth it. Um, yeah. Thoughts on that, my dear. Sylvie, I love your breakdown and introspection of yourself. I mean, I think this is one of the reasons that you and I became such fast friends and I absolutely love getting to chat with you because, you know, we're both so curious about what it is that we're feeling. And and if I had anything that I wanted anybody to take away from, from this um, podcast, from this chat that we've been having, it's to just be curious about your own emotions, about where you're at, about trying to understand what's going on. And certainly, yeah, you can um, label things, you know, all the the different forms of attachment theory and um, internal and external validation and rational brain versus limbic brain or primal brain. Um, and, and those things are interesting, but, but I think more than anything, striving to be curious about where you're at is the best that any of us can do. Because when we're curious about where we're at, there's room to give ourselves grace. There's room to give others grace. There's room to change and evolve and and really, you know, sort of move out of our very two-dimensional thinking into a very four-dimensional world where there's endless possibilities and opportunities. And I think that's ultimately what we want to do. I mean, I know that we did a whole huge piece on trauma, and so maybe we need to talk through that and maybe unpack that a little bit more, Sylvie, in our in our next conversation. But, you know, again, I think it all comes back to being curious because the moment at which we are curious is the moment that, as Sylvie put it, and she's so right, um, it's very true in, in the work of therapy, that rewiring is what has to happen in our minds and in our bodies um, to be able to come back to some sense of semblance of practicality and reality that isn't the saber-toothed tiger out to get us um, instead it's you know it's being placed in a more appropriate way um, so yeah I think that you know, this is just a very valuable conversation that I hope other people are having that uh, curiosity is okay to have about emotions because then it also recognizes that we are emotional beings and we have a lot of emotions and, and that's a good place to be. So any parting thoughts for you, Sylvie, before we conclude this incredible conversation? Yeah, staying curious. Absolutely. It it really keeps the door open, like you said, for new possibilities and opportunities. And keeping that door open can be very scary. It can be um, definitely unnerving is the word I really like to use a lot because it rattles your nerves. And um, But in the exchange for the opportunity to rewire and kind of heal some of these um, attachment issues we may have with others and ultimately the ones that we have with ourselves. Um, so when we recognize that we're all emotional human beings and and understand that our past experiences created layers of self-conditioning that forms the lens in which we see the world, 
if we can recognize that that exists within us and stay curious, I think we're able to um, start to gain a deeper understanding of where our relationships um, stand in, in, our, in wherever we are. So getting curious about the attachments that we hold, how they have an effect on us, um, uh, can be really helpful in healing. So the other thing I do want to um, add is just when we stay curious, also make sure you are being really, really, really kind and caring to yourself. Um, and so not judging how your body kept you safe in the past based on what you were experiencing, because I think it's important that we all know we are always, I, I like to think that as humans, we're all trying to do the best that we can with what we know at the time when things are happening. Um, and the hard part is, is if we stay closed and we don't stay curious, our growth kind of gets stunted as, as we've said now through this podcast. And so if you can remain open, um, I think some really cool insights can come from, from staying curious, but just be kind. Don't beat yourself up and um, you can only move forward with the information that you know. And so choose to, to uh, put that next best foot forward rather than running back into feeling um, upset with yourself or guilty or shameful. Um, and if, if you are feeling those things, that is a natural part of the reaction to uh, rewiring, I think. And so having a therapist at that point in time is super helpful it keeps it safe. It keeps you in the space to remain open and, and stay curious because I think those those negative aspects can overwhelm us. And um, I just want to assure people that that's a normal part of the process. Doesn't mean you stop. Doesn't mean you got to quit. Right. You got to work through that. It shows that there's something in there that's being kind of hidden. And um, yeah. So thank you, Lauren, for this conversation. I could probably go on and on in so many different directions. And I know we started out with attachment theory and kind of led down this road of, you know, staying curious and open and understanding how attachments can have an effect on our own self-conditioning and um, what we can do with that information. Uh, I will say it takes time. It takes time. It takes um, experiences and continued sense of openness to really see these things um because we all have our blind spots and uh yeah it's it's a cool journey so hope this helps if you guys have any questions or comments or concerns please reach out to us lauren i was hoping you could maybe shed some um share your information for your website so people could could reach us there Another incredible conversation. Sylvia, I love that you capped this off by making sure that people recognize that it's so important to have a grace for yourself. Um, to do this process of being curious about your own emotions is, is not to damn yourself, to condemn yourself, to you know say, oh, I need to do better, but rather, again, it's to be curious. It's to just kind of um, want to understand better and be okay when you don't, but be super excited when you do. So yeah, I love that we were able to kind of break that down. I can't wait to get the feedback from everybody. Um, my website is uh, www.liferichmama, M-A-M-A, 
dot com. So life, L-I-F-E-R-I-C-H-M-A-M-A.com, Life Rich Mama. Uh, yeah, and just drop us a note there. I also have our podcast linked there as well. And um, we'd love to help anybody out there that needs help. I mean, between the mental and physical healing capacities, Sylvie and I have got you covered. And uh, we're so ready and willing to extend the helping hand. All right, guys, from Embodied Experience, this is Lauren and Sylvie. Until next time.